I am not just a senior citizen. I'm an interested person in this field. I want to learn more. Can you help me? Because I suspect that even a young person occasionally forgets something. We don't say, well, you're too young. That's why you're forgetting. Mm -hmm. It could not have been better in every way. Hello there, and welcome to Elder Wisdom, stories from the Green Bench. I'm Erin Davis, and I'm going to be joined by our co-host, Doug Robinson, in just a bit, as well as a lady that I'm pretty sure is our first centenarian guest on this special bench, an equally special woman you're going to love, and it's pretty clear why everyone calls her Aunt Rita. First, a bit about who we are and what this is. Now, long before this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, was a thing, Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care residences had green benches all over the place. They'd be taken to public events, but mostly their homes are right at the residences. They're a place where people can talk, connect, spark up conversations, or just quietly contemplate the promise of another day. Now, the green bench is a way to connect, to remember that we are all family, all in this together, whatever any new day or month or year brings. And we're delighted to tell you that our message, our reason for being here, is resonating throughout the podcast listening community. Having been named just last month as one of Apple's new and noteworthy picks. We're talking about apple picks of a whole different kind today, going old school, if you will, with our guest, Rita Beckler, the aunt of Schlegel Village's founder, Ron Schlegel. Aunt Rita is indeed 100 years old and full of wit and wisdom. And speaking of which, I'm pleased to be joined today from the village at Sandalwood Park in Brampton by my co-host, Doug Robinson. Well, Doug, it's lovely to be sitting on the green bench with you again today, and we're going to be talking and focusing on family culture and people. So tell us a little bit about you. How many siblings did you have growing up in England? Uh, Just one brother uh, and my mother and father. My father passed away in 1948 when he was 38 years of age. So my mother brought uh, my brother and I up. And then you left and came to Canada in what year? 1969. I, I came with two young children, a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Goodness. I've always been envious, Doug, of people with large families, and nowhere do we see it more clearly, the strength and the bonds, than within the Schlegel family. And we're going to do a little bit of climbing up the family tree today, right up to the top, because our guest today, as we've said, is known as Aunt Rita. Her name is Rita Beckler, and she's one of about 12,100 year old centenarians in Canada, but to the Schlegel family and indeed to us, she is one in a million. Aunt Rita Welcome to the Green Bench. It is so lovely to have you here today. Welcome, Aunt Rita. Thank you very much. Now, we know of another very famous woman who almost turned 100 
in 2022. Betty White would have been 100 on January 17th. And the world made such a fuss and gave her so much love. So let us transfer that love to you today. And thank you not only for joining us, but for being among the strongest roots in the Schlegel family tree. So to illustrate a little bit for people from what I can understand here, you are the sister of Wilfred Schlegel, who is the father to Ron Schlegel, whom we know as the de facto founder of Schlegel Villages. And of course, Ron is father to Jamie, Rob, and Brad. And I think I've got that all right. So why don't you tell us about growing up on the homestead farm outside Tavistock. How many siblings did you have then, Aunt Rita? I had five siblings. There were six in our family, and I had three brothers older, and I was the fourth born, and then I had a younger brother and a younger sister, and I am the only one that is still here. So, yeah, and grew up on the farm just outside of Tavistock, Ontario, and lived there with my grandmother, my dad's mother, until she died when she was 90 years old. So that was our home for all this time, the family, the Schlegel family homestead. Aunt Rita, did you have electricity on the farm or did you use lamps? Well, we didn't have electricity until... About 1936, oh. and that was when my brother, when my brother Roy, he took a course in electrician, and so then he was able to uh, put uh, hydro in our barn and in our house. Until then, we used lamps and had to trim the wicks. Every Saturday morning, we had to trim the wicks to make sure they would burn evenly, <laughs> and that was so much fun. We had a scissors and had to make sure the wigs were trimmed exactly the proper way so that they would flame the same way. Oh, that's very interesting. Quite literally enlightening. Uh, did you bake your home bread in the oven in the farm? Oh, we, we baked our own bread in the oven. Yes, we did. My mother had, had a big uh, uh, tub that she would bring up and then she would put all her dough in that big tub, and then she would bake the bread in there. She would have to knead it and knead it. It took a lot of work, yes. but oh my, it tasted so good when it was done. And, and, and a wonderful smell through the farmhouse. Oh, it was a wonderful smell, yes. And you would always want to cut the crust right away <laughs> and put a little butter on it. Yeah. And it tasted so, so good. <laughs> mm. Our mouths are watering just hearing about it, Aunt Rita. Oh, yes, yes. Mine does too. Right, yeah. right. There was a large and is still a large German presence in the area of southwestern Ontario where you live, Stratford, and where you grew up. How did that influx happen? How did such a large German community come to be? It was very common. It was very common. Uh, we we just lived there day by day, and uh, without knowing, uh, we we just grew together. It was wonderful living there, and we talked uh, Pennsylvania German or Pennsylvania Deutsch, and we just grew with the English people. 
but it was wonderful. It couldn't have been more beautiful. Did you ever feel like an outsider in the community when you went to school because at home you spoke Pennsylvania, German, or Deutsch, and then learned English at school? Or was there enough of a mixture of people from all lands to Canada at this time, earlier in the 20th century, that everyone was just kind of there and grateful to be there, Aunt Rita? That's exactly true. There was never, never a barrier. It, it it was just the way it was, and we just grew to to know each other that way and didn't even think about it. It was just exactly the way it was. It was very, I felt so good always being at home and having my neighbors around me, so there was never a barrier. We were all like one people. I love the memory that you share of your brother, Wilfred, who we will remind listeners who are kind of looking at this family tree and going, okay, who is who, where, that Wilfred Schlegel is de facto founder Ron Schlegel's father. Wilfred was older than you, but speaking of feeling like part of the community, when he got a job in milk, and you can explain what that milk job was, he took you around to kind of meet everybody. Tell us about that, would you, Aunt Rita? Yes, I remember that so well. Uh, Wilford started to work. Well, he worked across the home for a while, but then later on he got a job working outside of Stratford in Downey Township for Valentine's. Their milk went to Stratford to the milk shop, and then he wanted to take me along to stay with him because he just wanted me to meet those people he was working for. And I was so proud. I was only, oh my, maybe six years old or so. I was just so proud that he wanted me to come with him. And I had such a good time. I I just remember the lady and the man and the lady, how well they treated me and how it made Wilford feel so good that I was able to come with him and stay two nights, I believe it was, before I had to go back home. And I felt so honored. Yeah, and so grown up. So grown up to be away from home for two nights too, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Now we talk about your family farm, and it was your grandmother's. And you had a very close relationship with your grandmother. You estimate that she was born probably in about 1837. Tell us about that closeness, Rita, and how it has impacted your life as you have gone on to become a grandmother and so much more great-grandmother and probably more honorifics than that. Tell us about your relationship with your own grandmother, would you please? Well, my own grandmother, she she died in 1927, and uh, she was 90 years old. And I mean, she was my best friend. And the last two years of her life, she couldn't see. And so my mother asked me whether I would take Grandma by the hand and walk around our big yard because we were so close. I didn't know if I was able to do it. I was only four or five years old. But then my mother trusted me and she said, yes, you can do it. And I remembered going down the steps of our porch with my grandma's hand, and uh, I said, well, we made it this far, and then we continued. We had a big a big yard, and we were walking along the, the under the trees, 
and Grandma would put her hands up and touch the leaf of the tree, and she would know exactly where we were at that time. So when we crossed, the, we had a long sidewalk from from our house to the to we had a a gate, an iron gate, and and she knew when we crossed there. But she put our hands up, and we had a maiden blush apple tree, and she knew exactly where we were. And we continued on. We had a few more apple trees, and then a large spy apple tree. And there, my dad had made a rope swing where we just played with that rope swing. And that was where we enjoyed so many hours all all those years, yes. And then when my, when my grandma died, that was so sad for me because she was my best oh, friend. Oh, that's sad. Her and I were together. It was so, so sad. That's sad. And I remember when my mother told me in the morning when she died during the night, I remember how we had a couch in our kitchen, and I just laid on the couch, and I cried. And that was the saddest part of my life, yes, at that time. Aunt Rita? Yeah? What was your main course when you sat down for dinner? Did you have hearty soups or... Schnitzel? Yes, yes, yes. We would make applesauce. They'd made the best of applesauce, the early harvest apples. It was a yellow apple, and it made the best of applesauce. And we always, always had that. And what else did we have? Well, we had our own uh, chickens, and so we we might have uh, a chicken and potatoes. We grew our own vegetables, and we had our own garden so we had our carrots and we had our peas and everything we didn't go to the store very often because we grew our own things you so, had everything on the farm everything on the farm yes 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 what has become of that farm now aunt rita what is there now well that is still a farm the land is rented but there is nobody living on it right now i sure hope it still has apple trees I am not sure some of those trees have been cut down, but I'm sure there's still some there, yes. I'll bet, and lots of memories. Aunt Rita, on the uh, farm, did you have an assortment of animals, or was it strictly cows? You had chickens? We had uh, Holstein cattle. My dad was a Holstein breeder, so we had Holstein cattle milking cows, and we had a chicken house with a few chickens on it, and we also had a barn, a few uh, horses in the barn. Oh, we also had some pigs, of course. We had a pig addition, too. Yes. A real menagerie, my goodness. But, of course, you were self-reliant, as you say, and everything came from there. And all I can think of was from a very short time that my parents dabbled in hobby farming of the hours and the work early to bed and early to rise. I'm sure you all pitched in from the earliest ages. What were some of your chores as a child? Do you remember, Aunt Rita? Oh, yes. I always had to feed the chickens and I always had to gather the eggs. And sometimes I would have to put some bedding under the cows. 
but always, always I had to feed the chickens, and we even had to put water down for the chickens. There was nothing automatic then. We had water in the pails, and that's where the chickens got their water. Barbara, did you have any toys when you were growing up, or was it just strictly farm work? Well, what I had was a skipping rope, and I remember my brothers made my skipping ropes for me at a very young age, and I just loved to skip. We had a long sidewalk, and I would skip all the way out to the uh, lawn gate and then back again. And then when I finally got, when my brothers went to town, they bought me a, a store-bought skipping rope, we called it, Ooh. and it had uh, wooden handles, and what a, what a pleasure that was. That was a big, big thing for me. I enjoyed that skipping rope so, so much. Yes. Oh, I, I bet you played with it until the handles frayed where the rope joined in. I just bet you did. I did exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I knew did, it. And I did. And I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I double dutch. They called it the double dutch skipping rope. Oh, I could you never do, do that. Dutch. <laughs> yeah. Double dutch. Yeah. Just knowing when to go in and not getting a face full of rope. Good for you. Yeah, yeah I used to do that. <laughs> that used to be so much fun. And different people would come and take the rope, and I would just keep skipping in there like as like a breeze, you know. It was so much fun. And there was a chant or a song. Do you remember any of the rhymes that you would do <laughs> when you were doing Double Dutch? Do you remember that at all? Well, I think it was one, two, three, four, close the door, five, six, seven, eight, close the gate, seven, eight, nine, ten, do it again. And what oh, else? Oh, wow. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. And as we skip ahead a little bit, could we do that? Let's talk about when you left the farm. Or maybe you never did. And Rita, tell us about growing up and moving into your own adulthood, would you? Well, yes. Actually, I, I never left the farm. I married a farmer. And uh, so we went to... Southeast Hope number two school together. And later on, uh, we began our courtship and I married a farmer. First, my husband had worked at the cheese factory, but then he worked, he went home to the farm. And so we bought our own farm. And so we were farmers for the rest of our life. Yes. Wow. And you knew what you were getting into because you had grown up in this and you knew you were going to have a hard life filled with work and the early hours and the late days and stuff, but this was what was sort of written on your soul. That's exactly true. I could wow. still see the wash line from where I was born to where I lived after I got married, and that meant a lot. I could still see the clothes flapping on the wash line. Oh, my goodness. That connection, that string, yeah. that thread. Yes. And washing clothes then, would you have had a ringer washer? Were you that fancy or did you still do everything on a washboard by hand? Well, first of all, we did it by hand on a washboard yeah. with homemade soap. But then we put it into a ringer washer, but we had to turn the washer by hand. Oh. I had to turn it by hand for 10 minutes, I remember, I had to turn the ringer washer. <sighs> and then we would wait and then we had to put it through the ringer. And uh, 
turn that wringer so the clothes would fall out into the wash tub. And we always put bluing into the tub for, for the white clothes because that would make the clothes whiter than the other way. The white clothes whiter. And we complain if we have to go down the hallway to do a load of wash. It's incredible. What do you think was the invention, the addition to your home that made your life easier? Was it indoor plumbing? Was it that ringer washer? What was the thing that when you and your husband brought it into the home, you went, where have you been all my life? Well, yes, it it was so wonderful. I remember when we turned on the, the light tap for the first time, we thought, this is so incredible. All we have to do is push a button, and then the light will come on. And <laughs> that, was, that was so fantastic. I remember that first turning of a button to turn the light on. There was electricity, and that was wonderful. My grandmother lived upstairs, and she had gas. She didn't have electricity. Right up into the 60s, she never had electricity in the house. Yeah, I can I can understand that, but she was so used to that, uh, she didn't really know that that she missed too much because she wasn't used to anything else. Yeah, and as we sit here conversing several provinces away and reaching people around the world, thanks to the bump that Apple gave us back in March, which was really kind of wonderful, telling people to watch and listen for this podcast. The technology that we are using right now is not only unimaginable even 20 years ago, but if you go back 100 years ago, even just a phone, tell us about how communication entered your life there on the farm and in your Mennonite community and how that all evolved so that you could talk with your parents or your children or your grandchildren as time went on, Aunt Rita. Oh, yes. Well, it was it was wonderful. We had a telephone a wooden box attached to the wall. And uh, then we had, of course, you had the ringer, uh, a button at the side, a black ringer that you had to, you had to ring to get to Central. And the Central station was in Shakespeare. And so we had to take off the receiver and push the button and get Central. And Central would answer, and then we would have to say who we wanted. But we were also on a party line, which meant there would be about 10 to 12 different people on this party line, and they would hear we 36 ring 6, and that had two longs, and that's what would ring. Wow. And all these other people, they would have their own number. But if somebody was using the telephone and you wanted to phone a number, you had to ask, is the line busy? And if the line was busy, you had to wait and wait until they got off the phone before it was your turn to have a phone call. I can't even imagine. I'm sure you can remember that too, though, Doug. Yeah, actually, in England, we didn't have telephones when I was growing up. You had to go up to the top of the road and go in one of those red boxes to make a phone call. Now they're tourist attractions. In fact, if you see even a payphone, kids, look at this. It's a payphone. Yeah. Goodness. (laughs) Uh, And Rita, we're talking today not only, of course, about your past and where you are now as our honored 100-year-old guest, but about family culture and people 
Tell us about your family traditions of being grateful and being thankful. Could you tell us how that affects your life now? Well, yes. When I was growing up, it was my mother and my father and my siblings. And when everybody was at home, nothing else mattered. We were all at home, and we didn't know anything else was going on in the world, hardly. But we were just so happy at night when we went to bed that everybody was at home and we went to bed together and we always ate our meals together we had breakfast at eight o'clock dinner at 12 o'clock noon and then supper around five thirty. and this was how i grew up and and that that was so wonderful and when the table we always had an extra plate on the table if there was a visitor come by around mealtime, we always had an extra plate there, and the visitor was invited to come and sit down and share the meal with us. And that was always so nice. What a wonderful experience. Yes, it was a wonderful experience. It couldn't have been any better. And as I picture that table with the empty seat awaiting whatever guest comes through the door, there is also a plaque that is over the table. And I wonder if you could share what is on that plaque for us, Aunt Rita, it, because it really does speak to what Schlegel Villages and your nephew Ron and the whole family have kept going sort of as a mantra through the decades. Could you share what was on that plaque, please? Yes. Christ is the head of this home, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. And I remember when I was able to read, I thought, oh my, Christ is the silent listener to every conversation. I must be very careful how I speak. I have to be true to myself. That was so meaningful to me when I first learned how to read. And then I was able to read that. And that took on a total new meaning for me. And as we sat around our our table eating, many, many times I thought of that. And uh, all my siblings and my grandmother and uh, whoever came to the door and sat with us, I, I had to think of those words. So the, that was wonderful to grow up with that sentiment and to know that that was within my home. Did you say a prayer before each meal? Oh, we always said a prayer before each meal. And many times we said a prayer after each meal. Before the meal, uh, we said we thank God for, well, we asked, thanked him for the food. And after we had eaten, we thanked him again for giving us the meal. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Rita, was you uh, creative when you was growing up as a young girl? Did you knit or do anything like that, sewing or embroidery? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I learned to embroider oh, when I was about 12 years old. And uh, I did the common stitch and I did the cross stitch and, and I learned how to crochet. And I still enjoy those uh, things today. And my eyes are still good. I have so much to be thankful for. 
I have no trouble threading a needle and do a lot of quilting and sewing. I am so very grateful, but I learned that from my mother at a very, very young age and learned how to how to do all the housework and uh, just slow and steady. I had to learn. I remember I had to wash the chairs on a Saturday morning, take a, a warm water with a little soap in it and a cloth and wipe all the chairs down so that they'd be clean for another week. And that was always a Saturday morning job. Aunt Rita, there seems to be a lot of hard work and it resonates with the Schlegel uh, upbringing. Could you say something about the hard work that you did? Well, we we always, always, always got up early in the morning. We never slept in. We always got up early in the morning, and we started to work as soon as we were up. And we, we worked all day long, and we came in, the men came in from the barn or the fields or wherever for lunchtime, and then we were barely finished eating, and then they were rushed out again and went back to work. And that is the way it was until we went to bed at night. After supper, they went to the barn or to the field and gathered the grain or made the hay or whatever they had to do until it was nighttime. And then they came in and washed up, got washed, and got ready for bed and went to bed. And my dad always said, early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And these are all lessons that have held you in good stead through your whole life. But there's more to what has gotten Aunt Rita to 100 years old and beyond. And I know that Doug has some insight and some questions for you about the aging process, about being a centenarian. So, Doug, I would love for you to talk with Aunt Rita about this, being our senior statesman on this podcast, of course. Thank you, Erin. Aunt Rita, do you partake in any activities in any way? And and you associate with other people in the apartment building? Well, I can't, just a limited amount because of COVID. Before COVID, yes, we could, but because of COVID, it has made a big difference. It sure has. Yes. I forgot about the COVID. Would that it is just a memory. I love that, Doug. You're getting there. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so, my friend. You have said, and I've heard this from my dad, my aunts, and everyone I know who is of a certain age, that getting old is not for the faint of heart. What advice would you give to younger generations who are listening to prepare for these later years, Rita? Well, that is difficult for me to tell anybody, but uh, I just think to be positive, I wake up in the morning and... uh, I think, well, I woke up again today, so there must be a reason why I woke up again today. I am still tired, but it's morning time, so now it's time to get up. And I get up, and I have my breakfast, and uh, I go on my day. But to get old, it's not for the faint of heart. But you live each day, and uh, just be positive. You, You read a book, or you listen to a story, or you just keep on 
and keep on. And by the time you know it, it's nighttime again, <laughs> and then it's time to get ready for bed. So here is gone another day. Yes. And I often have to think when I wake up in the morning, this is a new day. Think, wilt thou let it slip useless away? Here is a new day. And try to be positive and, uh, and enjoy. And love, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Oh, some beautiful wisdom. Well, I have to say that if you were on the local news, and certainly when a lot of people turn 100, they get a chance to do just that. The reporter will ask, what is your secret to being 100? And sometimes you hear that they had a little nip of vodka every day or that they never smoked. They always went to church. They lived a good life. Aunt Rita, this is the time now. You can let us all know what is the secret to being 100 years old. I have no secret at all. It is just to live each day and to be yourself. Don't worry. Just be yourself and live each day uh, to the fullest. And I am also surprised myself. I can't believe I'm 100 years old. But, you know, I know I have lived them. And I look out the window and I see... Uh, in the fall, how the leaves fly by, and I think, well, there go my my years. It just they've just flown by. I know I've lived them. Where they've gone, I don't know. But stay positive, and uh, and appreciate each day as the Lord has given to you. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's a, a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. Amen. Donka, thank you so, so much for being with us today, Aunt Rita. It was inspiring. It was just an absolute joy. And now you have us all craving some nice, warm bread. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Auf Wiedersehen. Dankeschön und auf Wiedersehen. What a pleasure to talk with Aunt Rita. A wonderful reminder that our branches are only as strong as our roots. Rita Beckler is the aunt of Schlegel Village's founder, Ron Schlegel. And we invite you to catch all of our Green Bench chats. The next one comes with a translator, sort of, as our guest and resident, Anna Piccoli, is joined by her daughter, Franca. From recipes to memories, pasta and the past, you might say, and the immigration experience for an Italian family coming to Canada. It's a chat you're going to enjoy, and it's going to make you hungry. I guarantee it. Be sure you don't miss any of our Green Bench chats. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, or just go to elderwisdom.ca. You'll be notified as soon as a new episode is up. And if you would... Be sure and spread the word on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom and share this special connection. On behalf of my partner, Doug Robinson, I'm Erin Davis. And remember, your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.